On this episode of the Profitable Practice Podcast, I'm going to break down all that was 2020. So this is our year in review. I'm going to talk revenues, profits, expenses, and all of the craziness in between. Stay tuned. I'm Andrew Maxim, and this is the Profitable Practice Podcast, made for practitioners who are ready to build a six-figure practice with a million-dollar impact that also lets you close your laptop and be present with your family anytime you want to. Together, we will challenge the antiquated ways of running a practice, we'll merge our brick and mortar online, and build, systemize, and grow as maximized practitioners. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, everyone. Let me be the first from my team to say Happy New Year. We made it through 2020. And while I would love to think that this is a Cinderella story where as soon as midnight hit on January 1st, everything went back to normal and our worries were over, I can't say that. But I do hope that 2021 has a lot less surprises and provide provides you with, you know, you've witnessed the challenges, hopefully you've reflected in your own business where your business is broken, what needs to be paid attention to first, you know, on your dashboard, what warning signs were there that maybe you were ignoring and now you can't and allow 2021 to be that year to tackle those things, get your business running exactly the way you want it to. Because if you can do that in a pandemic, I think you're pretty much good for the rest of your business career. So this is one of my favorite episodes to record where I get the opportunity to go back and reflect on the entire year of 2020, look at our numbers, I had to remind myself of all of the things that went down because a lot more went down than I remembered and also as an opportunity to celebrate what we were able to achieve and look at where we were spending and and use this time to analyze how I can improve my profit margins for 2021 and you guys are along for the ride. So. As we always do, my team follows our 190-37-1 strategizing plan. And this is something we talk about all of the time with our MPP members. And so we had our annual meeting and our original targets for 2020 was to see 360 new patients. So we we accomplished 355 in 2019. So we were going to go for 360 again, which is 30 new patients every single month. We wanted our clinic revenues. And at this time of the year, I was working out of three offices. So we had my one salaried employee running Caledonia. I was in Burlington and the new office, Oakville. So I was in two clinics yet again. And um, and so we were hoping for 400,000 across the three offices and then $100,000 in the online maximized business program. So those were the initial numbers. 
everything got off to a really great start. We, um, I had Laura, my project manager, Megan, my salaried ND team member. We did a launch in February. Our average um, intake or average revenue for the first quarter was about 28K, which is pretty consistent. We can usually get to that 25 to 30K mark consistently every single month. Of course, in 2021, we want to add an extra 25% to that. Um, so everything was going great. We did a, um, a the Create Your Initial Patient Funnel launch to our online members to get into the MPP program, and that went off really great. It was actually one of the most relaxing launches that I had ever done. I didn't find that I was stressed out. I was just showing up to do the lives and the support. It went off without a hitch. It was basically a rinse and repeat. And everything stopped as of March 18th. We had been hearing about the virus. And even in our huddles, Laura had been mentioning that there's this virus that's going on. She noticed it on the news back in December. And, of course, everything just went haywire in March. And... I would have never made it through that initial lockdown if it wasn't for my team. I have never experienced the amount of stress that I did in that time period for that first couple of weeks. And because my team was there, because I had the mentorship still through Alex Sharfin, and I, I really thank him for stepping up as a leader during that time. Um, Megan Walker also started doing some lives for those first two weeks with different people talking about going virtual and all these other things. The number one reason why when we shut down on March 18th and we still kept moving was because we just made the decision, okay, we are going to go virtual. I decided I was going to do free deliveries all across um, basically from Haldeman to Halton, which is about a 45 minute span, I would do and run these free supplement deliveries multiple days a week. I'd be out for hours. Sometimes I would take the girls because they needed to get out of the house. Um, and we immediately went virtual. Megan helped us set up Doxy.me, which is a free platform that we use to run our virtual consults and it's um, HIPAA compliant. Uh, and we just did it. We still onboarded seven new patients over that quarter. So we were heading into then mid-March, April, May, June. I think June or July was when things started to open up again. So we still had about seven new patients that we onboarded every single month, which was amazing. And because of how quick our efforts were, we still had Megan coming into the Caledonia office in person to manage the clinic because I needed somebody to be there. We still had reception coming into the office 10 hours a week just to manage all the phone calls and manage the appointments and keep things running. We tried to keep everything running the exact same as it was, as if it was a regular time period. The big difference, of course, being um, we weren't allowing anybody into the office. Any supplement pickups happened outside in the hallway or by my free delivery system. But it was adopting that virtual component that I think was the biggest takeaway 
that significantly made all of the revenues that we would have lost had we not adopted that. That was one of the big things from the initial shutdown that I really hoped business owners paid attention to is a lot of the things that you were hemming and hawing over, a lot of the ways that you could be conducting your business, the ways that you could be showing up to your patients or clients. Um, If you were sort of on the fence, this was your opportunity to get off the fence and actually make a choice. Virtual was always something that we dabbled in. We did the occasional phone consult, but predominantly we just had everybody come into the office. That was just the model that we had always done. And I had been in practice for nine years at this point. And then when Megan and I just said, you know what, we're going to set up virtual. We're going to move everybody virtual as much as we possibly can. By the end of that quarter, we were still averaging 20K months. We never lost revenue. We always stayed in the black. And that was massive. That was such a massive win that we were able to celebrate as a team. So the clinic side was was running fairly seamlessly. Uh, I was still working four to five hour days in my office. So my husband was a huge, huge pivotal role in this transition. That first week after March 18th, put definitely a strain on our relationship because I was in panic mode. He was in shock. He is um, a business owner uh, running landscape and schools were shut down. All of a sudden, the dynamic completely changed. And while I was trying to do damage control and, you know, keep everybody going, the pressure of having people on salary was definitely there. I was basically just telling him, you need to do this. You need to make sure that this happens. Get this done around the house. You need to, you need to, you need to. And he called me out on it one day and he said, you know, I don't think that I deserve to have these orders barked at me. And I sat him down and I said, babe, I have never gone through this in my entire life your landscaping business doesn't even open until May, if at all. And my business is running right now. This isn't about you. It can't be about you. You need to just like support me. I know it's rough. Once I get things under control, everything will be back to normal again. But I can't emotionally be there for you right now. This is about me and my business and keeping this afloat, keeping my team members on course and standing up as a pillar of support. It was tough. Uh, There were tears. I was stressed. I was losing sleep on the back end, but we, I still showed up to those huddles. I still showed up to my patients. We pivoted as quickly as we could. And for that week, Scott just had to kind of get in line and understand that it's nothing personal, but this is something that we have to work through. And then we crushed it as a team after that. And it actually showed us what our ultimate goal is as a couple to have Scott not need to work anymore, have him be more available for the kids doing the home stuff so that I don't feel that I have to. It's not on my to-do list. I just know it's being taken care of and me just working because that is that is where I love to be. I love to be in my office. I love to be on my laptop. I do not like the constant nagging distractions that children can provide. And it showed us that we could do that, that having him home 
and taking care of all the home stuff is an absolute possibility. And it was always kind of a pipe dream. We were sort of like, yeah, that would be nice. But again, the shutdown showed us that absolutely, this can be your lifestyle and you guys as a team work great in this environment where everyone's home and everyone kind of has their their roles to provide for the family and also provide financially. So the other thing that happened shortly after the shutdown was my project manager, Laura, she was pregnant at the time with her second child. And because of all the stress of what was going on on the island of Newfoundland, which you know, there was tons of things about getting things shipped. They had that massive snowstorm back in February where their entire um, town got locked down and they had to bring the military in to get the snow out. All of these scary things were going on with her. And um, she just wasn't able to show up to the business the way we both wanted. And she gave in her resignation. So here I am now trying to manage um, the online business three clinics, a team, and my project manager who was taking care of a lot of that like techie work for me and taking care of the online business side for me. And she was also keeping me in line. That was the number one reason why I hired her in 2019 is because I needed someone to tell me what to do, to bark orders at me, to keep me in line, to make sure that I was showing up and doing the things that I was supposed to for the team. Because as a visionary, I love to be up in the clouds and think about all of the things and then I forget some of the day-to-day responsibilities that I have. So it was it was a necessary change. We both knew that it was going to happen anyway. It just happened like three months earlier than planned. So the end of Q2 was me now um, putting out an ad for a new project manager. We had Laura... Uh, screen everybody. She did the initial video conferences with them. And then I did the final ones. We finally found someone who was great. She was Canadian because we didn't, we looked at some United States uh, project managers, but to get around the taxes was just way too confusing. Plus the exchange rate wasn't really fair for that individual. We found someone who was in Canada and I offered her the job. We were so excited and I was like, okay, sweet got this taken care of. Awesome. She accepted the position on Friday and then sent me an email on Sunday night saying, I don't want the job. Sorry. You know, things have changed for my end. Basically, peace out. And of course, you want to send that email that you shouldn't send because why put us through all of the hoops? Why sign the contract? Why do all these things to literally in a 48 hour period, just turn around and quit? Mind you, silver lining, at least we didn't waste any time onboarding or training or anything like that. So that was, that was good, I guess. But I was just like, you know, swear, swear, all the swears. Like, when is this gonna get easier? This was kind of what I was thinking of. Then my um, mentor, so my business accountability uh, coach, who I've been working with for, I think, at least three years now, um, he has a virtual assistant who he's been working with for a few years, Anne. And Anne is in the Philippines. And I said, you know what? I might as well give her a try. I missed that project manager relationship where, again, 
Laura would manage me. And Anne's role as the virtual assistant wasn't going to be as such. She wasn't going to be taking on that much responsibility, but um, she was still able to do a lot of what we call in our business the clicky work. So she's able to get the podcast out. She's able to run the stats. She's able to um, look at all of our metrics with regards to, you know, email open rates and website um views and how long someone was on our website and freebie downloads and all of those things. So that still was massive. And the best part about it is when you hire virtual assistants from the Philippines is that they typically work anywhere from five to $15 an hour. And having that kind of, again, it was Laura left. We thought we would find a project manager at her same salary and that didn't pan out. And now I'm getting Anne, who's doing, you know, I would say 75% of the job that Laura is at a much lower expense. So that was a massive win. It all came the way it was supposed to come down, but there is definitely a lot of stressors, a lot of, you know, anger associated with going through all of these extra hoops and not having it pan out. But it ended up working out beautifully. And Anne is, as soon as I met her on camera, I knew she was going to be a fabulous um, addition to our team. She works hard and she also comes with her own team that she manages, a web guy, um, video editor, graphic designer, and that was perfect for our elite level membership. While we were trying to work out how to get Laura more hours during that first quarter, we were really dropping the ball with our elite level members because her hours were only available on the weekends and I was only able to do so much. And I really wanted to get out of a lot of the clicky work myself and Anne being available all week long really, really made a massive impact. And now our elite level membership is just something I am so proud of. And the results that our members are getting are amazing. And it was because of all of these necessary changes. They suck at the time. It is scary at the time, but so thrilled that it all happened the way that it did. And Anne has continued to be a beautiful beacon of light in our team and running our huddles and things like that. The other big thing that happened in Q2 was upon reassessment of making my virtual clinic run and basically getting 100% of all of that revenue, I made the decision that I wasn't going to renew my contract at my Burlington location. And so, you know, I had to send the text to the owners. The owners and I have a fantastic relationship. So there was always that part of like, I don't want to let them down, but it it just couldn't be about them. It had to be about me, about my family, and about how I wanted to be spending my time. And running two offices by this point in time in my career was just not something that I was overly attached to. The minimized commutes that happened with the shutdown really showed me that I just don't like driving around all over the place. I really reflected on how hard I was working and how unnecessary it was. I didn't need to be working that hard frantically in all these different locations. So we had a Zoom meeting and um, I told them that, you know, I just don't want to have that fixed expense of rent. I, you know, Oakville is performing significantly better, faster than we ever anticipated. And it's time for me to just be in one location and that office is the location that I'm choosing. So, of course, 
it was sad for everybody, but because I was honest, because I didn't do anything sneaky behind their backs, um, we left it off on a really, really positive note, and I still connect with them uh, on an ongoing basis. All right. So that was now bringing us into Q2. Now by Q3, everything started to reopen again. We were in our, we were in phase two of the lockdown with regards to reopening. So of course, as soon as they, as soon as things reopened, we were like, okay, sweet. We now still are going to be prioritizing virtual visits at all locations. My Burlington people obviously went predominantly to virtual. And it was the first time where, number one, I was collecting 100% of the consultation fees. Number two, it was the first time I was in one location. And what a difference that was for me to leave all of my stuff in one place and not, you know, be thinking about, okay, what product do I need to bring to this other place? Um, packing up my bag, lugging my big gym bag around with me everywhere. It was the very first time and it was just so wonderful to just leave my stuff there at the end of the day, go home and then just show up like 15 minutes before my shift starts and everything is there. There was no unpacking time. So that was super nice heading into Q3 when things reopened. The other big thing we did during the shutdown that I forgot to mention was because we had to change kind of our marketing and because we weren't seeing as many people, we wanted to really show up in a big way. So we started doing weekly webinars. I was going live multiple times a week, bringing on other practitioners and doing live Q&A interviews. And that was also really great. Our patients continuously emailed back saying, Thank you so much for being a rock during this time. Thank you so much for still supporting us. Thank you so much for being there. The free deliveries, um, that service just was so welcomed by everyone. And we still did flash sales. Like even in April, we did a massive flash sale to move some of our dispensary items. Um, you know, we really tried to step up as much as we could. The other thing that we've been kind of putting off and decided that we would do because we had the time was we finally put together our Maximized Health Methodology course. This was our online program. This was the final piece of the GATT protocol uh, puzzle that I wanted to put together. And we put it together. It took us, I would say, a solid two to three months. Megan was responsible for creating the whole outline, just like the skeleton of what we were going to talk about. I was in charge of doing all of the PowerPoint presentations and the audio recordings, so there was no video because I knew if I had to be on video, then I would not do it because I would have to like look good and blah, blah, blah. And it requires a lot more editing to do it on video too. So I said, I'm just going to do screen recordings. We um, uploaded it all to our Kajabi platform and we did a beta launch. And in that beta launch, we sold it for $97. The value now is $297. And we ended up making 2000 bucks doing that. And that was a really great, um, you know, sort of light during this dark time of how quickly we got the course together, how proud we were of that program. We have timestamps, we have downloads, we have PDFs, all of the things. And then we had... Um, basically 20 people enroll with a one-week launch using the four beta emails that we offer to our MPP program members, and we made 2K off of it. So that was pretty cool. We had some sales trickle in afterwards at our non-beta level price, which was 147. 
but I'll talk about what we ended up doing with the course by the end of the quarter. The other thing is Q3 is July and August, which for us in Ontario is when the teachers all have their benefits lapse. And this is always the most successful campaign that we run every single year. We run a very, very inexpensive Facebook ad um, video and image, and we do it basically for engagement or video views. So it's like five cents per view. And because we had set ourselves up to be more um, present virtually, we did the best we had ever done anytime I've run this campaign. Normally, I will always like maybe 10x the Facebook ad spend. I'll usually spend anywhere from $500 to $600, and we will onboard at least um, $10,000 worth of initial spend. Now, with this one, because we were virtual, because we were able to run the ad to everyone in Ontario, we actually 40x'd our revenue. We spent just under $600. We onboarded 27 new patients in July and August. Ontario teachers have anywhere from $500 to $1,000 to spend, and they were just blowing it. Um, and so we were running a lot of lab tests and doing multiple consultations over those two months. And that was huge. That was really, really huge for profits. That was really huge for revenue. That was really huge for morale. It also gave our team a chance to see what it's like for the clinics to be essentially fully booked, if not 80 to 90% booked on certain days. And it was exhausting. By the end of August, we were all burnt out. I was doing a lot of virtual. Megan was managing virtual and in-office in Caledonia. The Oakville office was getting booked up. Um, it was one of our best months that we had. We uh, In August, we had a 40K month, and we were able to repeat this again in December. December is the end of the year benefits are lapsing. The Facebook ad that we ran for the end of the year benefits never performs directly the way the OTIP one does. The OTIP one, everyone's commenting, liking. I was managing private messages like five or six every single day during that campaign, with our end of the year one, I would say it's more of a reminder, but I don't know directly if patients are booking in off of that, but it was still worth the money. I think we spent $300 on that one and we still were basically fully booked in December. One day in Oakville, we hit 98% booking rate for the week, which we had never done and we had to have two practitioners to manage that. Um, so speaking of which... At the end of, what would that be, October, November, December. So at the end of October in Q4, I was attending the live mentorship in my 4X group that I've been a part of for a few years. And we're always talking about getting away from all the stuff you don't want to do, like really leaning into what your heart is saying. You should be doing what you love to do and stopping to do the things that you're good at, but you don't enjoy doing. And I have been wanting to get out of one-on-one -on -one consultations totally for a long time. I love supporting my patients. I love being there for them. I love being accessible over email anytime they need. But actually doing the visits themselves don't bring me as much joy as they did at the very, very beginning of my practice. And I've been fighting against that for a while because you're now fighting against your identity as a practitioner. 
This is the model that we were taught for four years. This is how it just goes. And to go against that doesn't make any sense to your core identity, to your business identity, to your career identity. And it was in that moment, I remember this so distinctly. It was like the second last week of October. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to put it out there and just see what happens. So literally after listening to one of the motivational components of this virtual summit, I reached out to Megan and I said, Megan, do you know of any friends who maybe are looking for a clinic to work out of that they would like to do a similar thing that you are? And she brought up Jackie. So Jackie had just purchased my program while we were trying to set it up on Evergreen. So I was running Evergreen Facebook ads to the program to our um, video training And I distinctly remember Jackie seeing the ad, watching the training and buying it on that on the spot. So I was like, okay, cool. So she brought up Jackie, Megan did. And so I just reached out to her over Facebook Messenger and I said, hey, I know you're in the program. I know you've gone through the methodology that I do. I can see you're in St. Catharines, but I have a practice in Oakville that I'm thinking about getting out of. I would um, be hiring you on a salary. And this is kind of how our business runs. Here are some of the bonuses that we have. Here's the extra incentives that we have every month. Would you be interested? And of course, when you're doing things over text, you really can't gauge, um, you know, how this is going to go. Nor had we ever spoken virtually or otherwise beforehand. I'm just basically on a lark just reaching out to this person. And she kind of went back and forth with me. She was like, let me just think about it. And the sad thing for her story is she was basically kicked out of her previous clinic and she was working with Starbucks. And of course, as a practitioner, you need to make ends meet. She has a mortgage. She has a husband. She needs to be like making revenues. And she just hadn't settled in on another practice. So I said, well, it's salary. It's not going to be an independent contractor, but here's why it's salary. Here's all the benefits you get. And then of course you get that mentorship piece. And she was just like, well, you know what? If I'm going to be working hourly with Starbucks, it's an, it's a linear transition for me to now move into your office. I was um, also offering her some extra incentives for travel and um, giving her like a, a travel stipend every month. And she was just like, sure, it makes sense. So long as, you know, there's some compensation for travel and time. And of course, we took care of that. And she has been almost immediately, it was just like, just showed how valuable an asset she was. And both of my employees, so both Megan and Jackie come with a pain management sports management background, which I don't have. And in my Oakville office, it is predominantly run by osteopaths. It's an osteopath walk-in clinic. So everyone is coming in already needing that pain management. So to have Jackie there with that extra skill was a massive incentive for me, for the clinic, and to have her in. And almost immediately, once I kind of let go of the reins a little bit and she started conducting the visits, her ability to book people in, like she single-handedly helped us get to that 98% booking rate because she was rebooking people in for pain management while also doing our GAT protocol, which is the gut adrenal thyroid protocol. So 
immediately I was just like so thankful and so grateful. And we also leaned in with Megan to really enhance her skills at the office too with cupping and acupuncture. So on both ends, by bringing on this new team member, it helped both clinics grow. It helped both of the employees really tap into their own personal talents that they have, not just cookie cutter doing what I had originally hired them to do. And had it not been for me manifesting Jackie literally in a 48-hour period, it all went down in a 48-hour period from when I reached out to her to her responding back being like, yep, so long as these checkboxes are taken care of, I'm in. So that was huge. And thank goodness it happened because in at the end of November... Jackie emailed me and she said, you know, I'm really sick. I have a really bad sinus cold. I'm feverish. I have aches and chills. I'm not going to be able to come in this week. And so, of course, I'm just like, well, F, it was like a really busy schedule. And um, how am I going to do this on my own? And she needs to be trained, right? Because by December 31st, that was it for me. I was done. Um, She had been trained by that time for two months And then she was going to start seeing patients completely on her own come January 1st. And I still remember saying this to my husband. This was on the Monday. I said, "Um, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous that Jackie is is so sick that she can't come into work because I, I wish I was so sick that I couldn't come into work. I distinctly remember saying those words. The next day, the next evening, Tuesday night, I started developing a really bad head cold. So we had our um, office party for Caledonia and all the receptionists, all the independent contractors on the Wednesday night. And by Wednesday, I was kind of feeling maybe 20% run down. I still had a headache from the congestion, but didn't think anything of it. Jackie was starting to feel better. So I was like, okay, cool. But she went and got a COVID test done anyway, just to be sure. She kind of felt that she wanted to at least rule that out. Wednesday night, while we are at dinner with my team, the rest of my Caledonia team, all of them, I get a text message from Jackie saying she was positive. And I looked at my phone for probably like 30 seconds in shock. Everyone had heard me read read this text message and they were just like, oh my God, are you okay? It's, you know, don't worry about it. So that very next morning, I booked an appointment to get my own test done. The COVID test, getting it done, is um, not desirable. It is not fun. I didn't realize how uncomfortable it was going to be, but I guess that's just how they do it. So if anybody has had the test done, when someone is like scraping the inside of your nose all the way up at the very bridge of your nose for about five to 10 seconds, it is not an enjoyable five to 10 seconds. So I was like, okay, you know, it's probably going to be fine. And of course, though... When you do something like this, because I had a fully booked day that Saturday, so this is Thursday, fully booked day that Saturday, we're now the first week of December, I was just like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. They, I didn't get any results on Friday, despite literally refreshing the app every five to 10 minutes. And then Scott was like, well, if you were positive, they would have let you know immediately. So it's probably fine. So I was kind of like letting go of the, the stress of all of that. 
And then Saturday morning, 8 a.m., my results are there. Big red letters, positive. And I, I was just in shock. I, I didn't even know what to do at that moment when I saw that because I had to now go back and let my entire Caledonia team know that I was positive, which the immense ripple effect that happens when you are sort of like the center and you think about all the people that you've been exposed to, it was, it was immense. I felt and carried so much guilt with me for the rest of that week. I cried. I just felt awful that I had to let these other people know that now their world is stopping for 10 to 14 days. Megan stayed home. Reception, we called them off for the week. Our live blood analyst, we had to reschedule her fully booked day. I had to move all of my Saturday patients. Luckily, almost all of them moved except for one to the following Saturday because luckily enough with Jackie, her um, test result came back staggered to mine. So she was going to be released three days earlier than me. So she was able to cover. We had to move all of our in-office appointments um, that needed to be in office in Caledonia to the Friday. Almost everybody moved to the Friday, which was amazing. Everybody else went virtual or rescheduled to the following week. So we lost maybe $400 in this massive shuffle that we did. If Jackie wasn't free or available um, because everything was staggered, again, we wouldn't have made, we would have lost out easily on two to $3,000 worth of revenue. Um, Megan did the best that she could going virtual and she stayed home. She had also had some other potential exposures too, so she probably would have had to stay home anyway. But we lost like that $600 with the live blood that had to be rescheduled. So it was just like, not only was I not feeling well at all because the Having a congestive headache for five days is not fun when you have to do all this thinking. My adrenals were so shot because I was basically on my phone the entire Saturday texting people, answering their questions, telling them what to do, telling them what this means, letting my family know. So my whole um, family, my two girls and my husband, they were now in quarantine with me. So we had to let the school know that they were going to be self-isolating. My parents, we had to let them know that we couldn't um, do any more visits with the girls for the next two weeks. And they did see the girls um, on the Monday. So I was like, you know what? You should probably go get tested and just be safe. But um, so it was just like, it was the guilt. The guilt was probably the toughest thing for me. I felt so incredibly um, responsible for everybody's lives at that moment and shutting the shutting down their lives making them self-isolate did that also mean that they were making their entire family self-isolate I, I wasn't sure and it was an immense burden to bear um, and only someone who is going through this understands what that means it is you feel basically like patient zero I felt like an absolute leper and by the end of the two weeks I was free to go, and public health calls you like two or three times a day. So I was on the phone constantly with everybody. My mom wanted to do virtual calls with my girls multiple times a day too. I was still doing virtual consults, managing as much as I could. 
um, the schedule to the best of my ability while feeling sick, those two weeks were probably harder than the initial shutdown back in March. Emotionally, with the initial shutdown is basically just system mode. How can we change our systems? But with that shutdown for those two weeks, which ended up being like a solid week for both practices, um, the emotional stress that I felt was tremendous. And that emotional stress that I felt while feeling well immediately triggered like the most insane bone and joint pain that I've ever experienced to the point where I wasn't sleeping for the first three days after. um, So it was basically Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I was in tears all night because my joint pains were so bad, which was also probably a side effect from the COVID diagnosis. So anyways, we got through all of that. My girls, they had to stay in quarantine an extra 10 days because they developed their symptoms later. And so by the time Aria was able to go to school, there was already another case that shut down her class. So we were basically all home for the entire month of December. Then the province shut down on Boxing Day, so we couldn't go out (laughs) anyway. But what the biggest reflection that I had was, had I not taken that leap and hired Jackie we wouldn't have been able to continue service as normal. We didn't let any of our patients know what was going on. We just said, sorry, um, we're not available to come in today. I let people know that I had a head cold, but with Megan, we're like, no, she's just doing virtual this week, but we do have this one in-office day to do immune supports and B12s or whatever. I was just so grateful to have that extra insurance policy And so grateful that Jackie was willing to go from one office to the other to help keep things afloat. Um, So having this team now set up by the end of 2020 proved itself within the first couple of months to be the best thing that I could have ever done for my practice, for my business, and really for my personal life. Now that um, we're into 2021 and we're doing homeschooling for the month of January, there's no way that my husband would be able to manage two kids homeschooling while I was off at work. Um, Again, the first week of homeschooling was uber stressful as we were kind of figuring it all out. And my brain just didn't work in the evening. So while 2020 was challenging, all of those challenges proved to me, number one, that the systems that we had in place were working, that we enhanced those systems to make them work even better and that I am continuously proving that I can reproduce anyone on my team, including myself, with all of the standard operating procedures that we've created and documented. So by the end of 2020, we had um, we had re-rejigged our critical numbers that we wanted to achieve. So instead of uh, 400,000, we went down to 300,000 for the clinics. Instead of 100,000, we went down to 75K for online. And instead of 360 new patients, we went down to 300 just because we lost that entire quarter. So by the end of 2020, we saw and onboarded 282 new patients, which was 94% of our goal. Our revenue across the clinics was 286,374. How do you say this? 286,374, which was 95% of our 300K goal. Online brought in $65,290, which was 87% of our 75K goal. And that was money collected, not revenue achieved. 
And then our total across all businesses was $354,350, which was 94% of our 375 goal, which to hit 94% anywhere is an A plus. And considering what we did to get there when we reflect on everything we did in 2020 was amazing. Now, I mentioned I was going to talk about what we did with our online program. So the MHM course that we created, we tried to sell it singly or individually to people through webinars or whatever. It just wasn't selling. People just weren't interested in buying it when they were already working with us in the office. So now what we've done is we've incorporated into our initial visits with all patients. Um, we raised our rates on January 1st, uh, all of our visits up anywhere from 2 to 5%. And now we're giving that course away for free and we're um, putting it into our homework that we're having all of our patients do. So I didn't want that course to go to waste. I didn't want that to just be sitting there only for passive income. We wanted people to actively go through it. And now it's part of our GAP protocol where we will actually say, go through module one and module two, between these two visits. And now 2021 is going to be all about really enhancing that gap protocol, actually making it a program price, including some non-negotiable labs. And that course is now really going to help with the education piece. So that is that, everyone. That is 2020 in review. I am so proud of my team. I am so grateful for everything that happened over the course of those 12 months. And it just set us up so beautifully for 2021 that I can't wait until this time next year to talk about how massive the next year is going to be. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted. Leave a review and drop me a message on Instagram at AndreaMaximND as I love hearing from you. Just so you know, we also host the video version of most of our episodes on MaximizedBusiness.ca. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode.